Hey, it's Sarah, and this is Kids These Days, a podcast brought to you by grant funding from the Kansas Department for Children and Families. So today we are going to cover the basics of sign language with infants and toddlers. And I want to say that the content from this episode was taken from another one of our amazing trainings written by my colleague, Erin Jett, called Sign Sign Baby, using baby sign language. So after you listen, I want you to, and want to know more, because you're going to want to, go check out the Casita webpage for any upcoming offerings via Zoom or in your area. Okay, so let's jump in. So I want to start just a little bit with some stages, basic stages of language development for young infants, mobile infants, and toddlers. So young infants, which is kind of up to eight months, right, they listen to and begin to respond to familiar words, um, use different cries to signal various needs, use gestures, movements, or vocalizations to gain attention of familiar people or to communicate their wants and needs, right? This is that stage where um, babies are starting to babble and coo. Uh, then we have mobile infants, right? So up to about 18 months. Um, they are interacting with caregivers and peers using gestures, sounds, and words. Um, demonstrate an understanding of a few simple concepts. And begin to speak so that familiar adults can understand about 50% of what the child says. And like Aaron says, you know, I think toddler language should be identified as a second, second language. If you can understand and speak it, that's a talent. Have to agree completely. Then if we talk about toddlers, so up to 36 months, right? Some of those stages of language development are sustaining a conversation with another person with two or more back and forth turns beginning to use language to seek help, get information, or clarify something that they don't understand, using words to label actions, and expressing wants, needs, dislikes, likes. So, you know, in the training, Aaron talks a little bit about um, some common concerns and strategies to support language development. And again, I'm just giving you the highlights in this episode because I really want you to check out this training um, to get more information, get a little more hands-on with it, okay? So when we talk about some common concerns and strategies, right, some concerns might be delays with certain parts of language. You know, we have receptive language, what you hear and understand, and expressive what you say. So some concerns, you know, things to look at might be with that receptive language, like not hearing, not understanding the meaning of words or not responding to their own name. The overall concern here is that we want to make sure that children are understanding language, you know, and if a child is not responding to their name or don't appear to make connections to familiar words by eight months of age, that that could be cause for concern. And then with that expressive language, some concerns that we might see are, you know, that they not knowing the words to use or not knowing how to put words together, um, you know, or a child that we might consider nonverbal. If a child is not speaking clearly where an adult can understand what they are saying at least 50% of the time by that about 18 months, that might start to raise some concerns. Um, another Concern, strategy, concern in supporting language development are dual language learners, right? It's very, very common for children who are learning 
two different languages at the same time, you know, perhaps at home they speak Spanish and English, it's very common for them to mix those words to go back and forth between Spanish and English. Um, it it can take them a little bit longer to speak one or the other consistently and not combine the two, but that's that's not considered um, a language delay or a concern. And then speech disorders. And again, I'm going to be real honest with you. I am not a subject matter expert in speech disorders. We do happen to have some new um, staff with the ITSN team that are very much experts, which we will plan to have them on the podcast in season four to um, talk a little bit more about some of these things. So, you know, another concern with language development are speech disorders, right? Difficulty forming sounds correctly. Um, Not so much a concern at the beginning stages of language development, but like, you know, S's and W's and R's, those are hard sounds. So, you know, the sooner you address those concerns, the better it is for the child to develop new skills. Um, another thing that Aaron mentioned in the trading is that, you know, stuttering or stammering is not something to be concerned about early on, but it could be a concern in later stages of development, right? Kids are just learning how to articulate those words, um, might repeat certain parts of words or speech, you know, thinking about, um, especially when we talk about how some, some sounds are hard to form, you know banana maybe comes out as nana. So like we talked above a little bit, you know, and referring to those milestones, you know, knowing the stages of language development can help you identify if any of these things that we just talked about are concerns or can become concerns. Um, you know, as we've talked about in multiple different episodes and different aspects of this, is that if you have a concern about a child's language development, you know, have, have the parents, you know, see a pediatrician, um, check out the local tiny K program, the infant and toddler services, um, get those kids evaluated, have their ears checked. You know, it doesn't mean anything other than, Hey, if we find, if we have a concern and we address it early on, that definitely helps build those skills. So, what are some ways that we can support children in language development? And I do want to note that most of these strategies that we're going to cover very briefly can absolutely be implemented throughout your day, during free play, during routines, during mealtimes. So, um, you know, responding to their first sounds, coos, babbles, repeating or mimicking the sounds that they make, talking about their efforts. You know, you're trying to tell me something. Repeat what the child says and add to it, right? So if a child says, you know, they hand you their cup and they say juice, you might say, what kind of juice? Or you want more juice? Always making sure that you're exposing them to more language, which again goes with this next point of talking about the things the child does and sees. I love the analogy that Erin uses in the training when she says, think of yourself as a sports analyst. Right. You're probably thinking, I'm already a cook, a nurturer, a maid, a chaos coordinator. I don't need another job. But, you know, think about it this way. Sports analysts communicate what is happening during the game while it is happening. You could turn on a sports game and without watching, knowing what is happening by listening. 
I just, I, I love that. That is such an awesome, that is such an awesome analogy for what it should look like, sound like in your program when you are really giving children language and talking about what they're seeing, what they're doing. Another way to support children's language development would be to expose children to books, you know, having lots of that in your program, reading to them, letting them look at them, singing songs and rhymes. Children love music. We've talked about it before. You can connect anything if you put it to music. Um, and also, you know, encouraging parents to reach out to healthcare providers for resources and referrals, just like we talked about above, you know, with um, some common concerns. Be that advocate for that child and that parent to get the services or evaluations that children need. And again, if there are no concerns from a medical standpoint, that's great. But if there are and we can address them at an early age, even better. So kind of this last way to support language development and perhaps why you came to listen today is using simple baby sign language, right? So this can be done with verbal and nonverbal children, right? This is not um, using sign language with a child is is completely appropriate to use with any children, regardless of any diagnosed delay or disability or none, right? So some of the benefits of using those simple baby sign language is it helps develop those communication skills, right? Teaches children to communicate and express their wants, needs, likes, dislikes, right? I mean, think about it, like how awesome is it if a baby could come up to you and was able to communicate with you their needs with a simple sign before they flip out, right? Because you just don't understand what I'm trying to say. You know, so another benefit of baby sign is it impacts your bond with the child, right? Using sign language requires some of that eye-to-eye contact and even sometimes tactile contact, right? If you're helping them to form a sign, right? And it helps you to be more responsive to their need. You know, if you think back to the episode we did um, a couple episodes back of responsive caregiving, right? It's, we know the importance of it and its impact on relationship building and simple signs and gestures can help the child communicate their needs so that you're not trying to always decode the cry, the behavior, etc. Um, you know, another benefit of sign language is reducing tantrums, tears, and frustration, right? Just going along with that impacting your bond. The more able children are to communicate their wants, needs, desires, dislikes, the less likely we're going to see some of that frustration, tantrums, etc. And because we're helping them to begin to regulate their emotions because they can communicate what they need, what's going on. And uh, another benefit of sign language, which I think is probably one of the coolest, is that it helps children talk more s- sooner, right? Which maybe seems counter counterintuitive and in that If I am signing, you know, just using my hands or facial expressions, I'm not using words. But the thing is, is that that sign language helps them build conversation skills, create social engagement opportunities where they're actually getting their needs met when interacting with others. I mean, it's just, 
you know, research absolutely backs it up that it doesn't keep kids from talking. It does the exact opposite. And sign language, again, it supports intellectual cognitive development, right? Again, when we're using that baby sign language gestures, children are being exposed to visual, auditory, and kinesthetic learning all at once, right? That multi-sensory learning, which research shows is so effective for children in their learning. And then I think finally, which, you know, maybe is goes along with all of these and could even be one of the most important, but using baby sign language increases children's self-esteem, right? Gives them the confidence to try new things when they're able to communicate their wants and needs and you understand them and respond in a way that makes them feel important, that teaches them to trust us and build confidence in their abilities. So what are some strategies to getting started? Well, first, familiarize yourself, right? Books, websites, videos. Um, you know, there's a lot of, and I'm going to put some of these resources in the show notes. There, you know, there's a ton of great resources out there on YouTube and Google to watch a video of the sign, okay? Um, set realistic expectations. You can start this at any age, right? Um but keep in mind, most babies aren't able to start signing on their own until about eight months of age. Um, and and also know that babies often approximate signs, right? They might not have the ability yet. You know, the sign for stop uh, is your left hand in a palm up and your right hand coming down parallel to it, which means that I'm crossing the planes of my brain. And some children haven't developed that till a little bit later. So you might see some approximations of those signs, like them just holding one hand up and kind of in that chopping motion of stop. Which again, goes to this next point of keeping your signs simple, right? Choose signs that are of the most interest to the child. You know, milk, water, please, thank you, yes, no, help, stop. Um, and you can use both formal signs and natural gestures. So again, that goes back, kind of goes back to that setting realistic expectations. Just because you see how a sign is, quote unquote, meant to be signed, if the child can utilize a piece or part of that sign to communicate and you understand it, that's what we need it to be. Okay, so another strategy to getting started would be Make it interactive, right? Hold the baby on your lap, either facing you or with their back to your stomach, and then use that hand over hand signing, right? Do the sign yourself and then use hand over hand to gently help them make the signs. And use real time signing, yet use the sign paired with the activity. If the child's eating, sign eat. If you are reading, sign book. If they want more, sign more. You know, so the more you use it, you're showing them that this is a way to communicate your needs. Sing and sign. Again, and I think this goes back a little bit to that making it interactive, using real-time signing. Um, you guys sing songs all day long. Learn some of the signs for the words in those songs and sing sign while you sing. Because this just makes another connection for them 
about words and what they mean and what they sound like and how to communicate them. Um, and along with that sing and sign is to speak and sign, right? Whenever you are providing direction, you're providing guidance, you're providing feedback, you can also use the sign. You know, if you're telling a child, ouch, biting hurts, stop, you can sign stop. Um, and share those signs with parents. Um, you know, there's a ton of really great pictures out there of different signs. You could always make, you know, a little sheet that shows the signs, the common signs that you're using in the classroom, and then share those with parents so that parents can use them at home. You know, and the other thing is to keep at it, right? You know, keep in mind the goal. The goal is to improve communication and reduce frustration, right? It's not to be fluent in sign language of any type, but really just being consistent and using those signs so that children are consistently provided an opportunity to communicate with us, right? And at the end, just remember to celebrate your efforts and successes. So again, that was a very brief overview. Please, please, please go check out the Casita website for offerings of Sign Sign Baby. Um, so you can get a little more in depth of what we, from what we talked about. And I know in the training, there's a lot of great um, visual examples and opportunities to practice with uh, other participants. So um, don't forget to check out the show notes for some resources and we will see you next week. Bye. Kids These Days is a co-production of the Casito Kids Infant Toddler Specialist Network and the Casito Workforce Development Programs. These programs are supported through a grant from the Kansas Department for Children and Families Child Care and Early Education Services. However, information or opinions expressed herein do not necessarily reflect the position or policy of the agency and no official endorsement should be inferred. If you have questions, comments, suggestions, or want to share your practice related to this or a previous episode, please email us at kidsthesedayspod at gmail. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook at kidsthesedayspod and Twitter at ktdpod. Be sure to check out the... Be sure to check out the resources for the episode in the show notes. And don't forget to hit subscribe, rate, and review. Give us five stars. This episode was written, recorded, and edited by Sarah Holmes. Music track Hackbeat by Kevin McLeod.